0: roll down tide from the clark ford studio in oxford mississippi this is the beer garden presented by oxford crystal like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take though there was a lot of maybes a lot of what ifs a lot of questions you need to just get on here you need to fire and and put me in a position where i have to tell you that you're wrong and now here's your host neil mccrady nice nice Welcome to another edition of the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, Ben Ingram, 680 the fan in Atlanta, one of the voices of the Atlanta Braves, joins us. We talk about the Braves, Major League Baseball, the uh, coronavirus, how that all factors in together, whether we will have a season or not, get Ben's thoughts on all of those things and more. Before we get to that, though, let me tell you a little bit about the Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford right next door to the Oxford Exxon. Weird times we live in, but they have drive-through at the Oxford Crystal, also free delivery using uh, DoorDash or Uber Eats. You can still get your Crystal fix. Might have to uh, do it a little differently, but you can get it, and you can also get the uh, new Crystal Catch Hush Puppy Battered Fish, just $1.49, crave and save with that. At the Scrambler Breakfast Bowls. You can still get your day started the way that you love to get your day started. Bacon, sausage, cheese, grits, whatever it is that you want in your breakfast Scrambler, they've got you covered there at uh, the Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford. Again, DoorDash and Uber Eats for delivery. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi, 662 257 1900. That number, call it, ask for Corey Clark. He'll uh, get you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. Get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. Um, Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. Call, get a quote, and you'll start to see what I'm talking about. 662-257-1900. We're also brought to you by LB's Meat Market. Again, weird times, but they have curbside at LB's. Call Greg. Greg Jones, the people there at LB's, 662 259 2999. Tell him what you want. He'll have it ready for you. He'll bring it out to you. All the fresh cuts ground beef, uh, sausages, chicken, pork, fish, uh, steak, of course, everything you could want the uh, stuffed jalapenos, the stuffed mushrooms. Uh, I had the casserole. It was the uh, hash brown casserole the other night. Absolutely fantastic. Meatloafs are fantastic. So much there. Call Greg. Find out what they've got. Let him take care of a dinner, a couple of dinners a week during this stressful time. You'll be glad you did. You'll be taking care of one of Oxford's great businesses and they'll take care of you with just absolutely fantastic food. 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, Right across the street from Kroger. Again, that number, 662-259-2999. And uh, we're brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga, 30-plus years old. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the Southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis, so you know you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's the leader in uh, condo financing in the Oxford market as well. So ask Jason about Community Mortgage's float down option. Allows you to lock in the current rate. But if rates go down before you close, you get the lower rate. J-lo, J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Now here's Ben Ingram of the Atlanta Braves. Enjoy. Ben, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. How are You, you? got it,
1: man. I appreciate you having me on. Doing well over here.
0: Uh, I know you're uh, you're kind of holed up in Atlanta right now. What's uh, for those of us that haven't haven't been to Atlanta in a while? What's it looking like these days? I know traffic's completely different than it normally is.
1: Uh, the, the best thing I saw a guy that I work with posted a side by side of uh, the shot from The Walking Dead and and the spot where they actually took that photograph and they look eerily similar similar where there's no cars on the road it's just an empty town I mean I, I live right next to 400 I overlook 400 and there's some traffic but it's maybe two percent of what you normally see out there so it's just quiet and dead and just kind of eerie for a, a big booming metropolis like Atlanta
0: unbelievable so I know you were at uh at spring training a little bit down in Florida uh, back in I guess February and into early March, kind of for for people that at the time I was pretty you know locked into a, a bas- college basketball season, doing my job and that kind of thing. When did you start hearing some rumblings out of Major League Baseball that hey, this th- we're we're probably not going to get we're probably not going to get to opening day without a stoppage?
1: It was one of the most sudden things I've ever experienced. We went from everything is normal to no baseball very quickly. Uh, the, the first thing that happened was once. This outbreak uh, really took hold of the American attention. I, I've, uh, the, the first thing that Major League Baseball did was limit our availability to uh, the, pre- to the uh, clubhouse, to the players, to uh, the manager. We could not get within six feet of them. So what they were doing in order to do interviews and uh, get sound from players, they would bring in whomever we wanted to speak with. They'd have a microphone table. We'd put our our mics and such there, and then we'd sit back and have the conversation. So the audio was terrible. I mean, everybody, the the player would be six feet from the mic. We'd be to the other side of the mic, and we just knew that this wasn't going to work very long. Well, we didn't have to worry about it working very long or not because the very next night – uh, I'm sitting there on the couch at our house down in spring training. They put me and two other guys in a, in, a, in a house for the six weeks that we're there. And we're watching the NBA when everything is is finishing up, and they say we're suspending the season. So that happens. Um, the Rudy Gobert information comes out. The Tom Hanks information comes out, and we're looking at each other thinking, what in the world is going on? I mean, this is moving so quickly. And we're trying to figure out what this means for us. Do we finish spring training? I think we all knew at that point that opening day would probably be pushed back. But spring training was still up in the air because we're in such a remote area of Florida. I mean, we are. The Yankees aren't. The the Red Sox aren't. Some of those teams in bigger towns aren't. But, but we were, uh, given that we're in Northport and there's not a whole lot down there. And um, so we were wondering how much longer would we be doing spring training games. Well, the next day we're playing the Tigers in Lakeland, Florida. It's about a two-hour trip. And as we're on the way over, we started hearing rumblings that this could be it for spring training and we might not even play that day. So we get over there to Lakeland. Everything is, is normal. The game starts. We, co- we started calling the game, knowing that this could be the last game we call for a while. And then the information came down in the seventh inning that at four o'clock Eastern that day, everything would be suspended and that spring training would be canceled altogether. So we called the last two innings of that baseball game, knowing that those would be the last two innings we'd call for a very long time, finish the game. And I treated that game as if it were a big time regular season game, like just a big meaningful September game or something like that, because I knew it was the last time we'd have the opportunity to call a game for a while. And that was that. And then the next question was, how long were we going to stay in Florida? And initially our bosses did not know. So we stayed there through the weekend. And then they finally said, come on back. And I got back Tuesday, whatever that was, the 16th or 17th. I think it was the 17th I came back. Uh, so we went from finding out on the 12th to staying another three or four days in Florida and then coming back and just kind of been on hold ever since.
0: It's the longest month I can ever remember. I've had people g- give me the joke that, hey, I've, I've been alive in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 1s, the 10s, the now the <laughs> 20s, and March.
1: You're right, but it's like I said, I think I tweeted this out this this was not the March madness that we were looking for this This is a different kind of March madness than what we expect this time of year.
0: you're like me your your life in I don't mean this in a negative way, but we we we're around sports. sports are the canvas with which we uh, we sort of paint things. There are no sports. What has that been like uh, for someone like you who makes a living and, and does it remarkably well, talking about and describing sports for a living when there are no sports
1: it 's been surreal we 've in the meantime, given that there 's no baseball instead of laying us off and i 'm so i 'm thankful for this our our station has given me and two other guys that I do baseball with a seven to nine o 'clock show and and I understand look you're not going to be calling baseball but we're not going to pay you to do nothing so we're going to create this time slot and you're going to do this show and so we've been on the air for a little bit more than a week now and last night uh, I just kind of sat back and listened to what we were talking about and we went I don't know 40 45 minute stretch where we were talking about Tiger King on Netflix we were talking about vacation spots we were talking about our favorite places on the road anything but sports And and it just hit me that, you know, this is what we're doing now. We have no, we can talk about sports, but it's all speculation or it's all uh, retrospective. And there's nothing that's currently happening that we can dissect and and opinionate on. So it's just bizarre because you just find yourself having a conversation like you might normally have over a dinner table or uh, hanging out or whatever it may be, just eliminate the sports. And it's taking some getting used to because when I'm on the air whether I'm calling a game or whether I'm doing a show, I want to inform my listening audience, but I also want to in- entertain them. And now you're having to come up with different ways to do that because typically they're there for the entertainment of sports and what we think about it and, and, and what's happening. Well, now they're there for the same reasons, but we can't use the same means in which to do those things and accomplish those feats. Uh, so you just end up having normalized conversations. And um, it, it's just bizarre because it's nothing like uh, anything that we've ever done. So. Just trying to figure it out day by day. And the good news is I, I've got really good chemistry with these guys that I'm on the air with because we are together all the time. We've all been doing Braves baseball for some of us 8, nine, ten years. So it, it's pretty interesting, and it brings me personally just a sense of normalcy, just to have yeah. uh, normal conversations because outside of that, I'm quarantined in my place, and you don't really do much and, and see what's on TV and that kind of thing, but it's just um, – uh, I hope that our listeners find that to be s- some sort of, of break or release from what their normal routine has been for the last seven, eight days because uh, I know it's been that way for us. But uh, the way I, I see it, just get through it together and try to entertain folks as much as you can, even if you don't have sports as an avenue to do that.
0: Yeah, because normally people hear your voice over the course of a 162-game season. It's one of the great things about baseball, no matter how good the team that, uh, that you cover or you follow is, it's going to have ebbs and flows in a baseball season. You're going to have winning streaks where, man, the, the Braves sure look good, and you're going to have losing streaks where, man, the Braves look like they forgot how to play baseball, and you're going to have everything in between. And, and over the course of six months or so, you, you sort of build a relationship with the broadcasters that, broad, that, that cover the team that, that you follow. And when you take the baseball part of it away, I mean, I catch myself. I mean, as you know, I'm a big Cubs fan and have been since I was a little boy. Mm-hmm. I'd pay money for to listen to Pat Hughes just talk about the weather right now. I'm I miss I miss the voices, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I I pulled up a I pulled up a game yesterday. I started one just because it happened to pop up on my YouTube feed. It was Game Five of the 2016 NLCS Cubs Dodgers. And uh, I was like, I kind of remember that game. And I started it, and I was just going to watch a little of it. I ended up watching the whole damn thing, Ben. <laughs> and 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 I realized a lot of it was because I just – I sort of just missed the the game. I just – you know, right. I mean, just not – I mean, I knew the Cubs won that game. I knew they went on to win the series, obviously, and all that stuff. But that wasn't one of those games that I've rewatched a thousand times because it didn't end in a celebration. It just ended. And, and I miss – I missed that random game against the Mets in June where Syndergaard shuts them down and I'm kind of pissed at him. You know what I mean? I I, right. I catch myself just m- missing that basic stuff.
1: Our game is, is very intimate and personal, and I think it's because it is every single day for six months. And if you count spring training, you add another six weeks on top of that. And while I love football, NFL, and college football, I love the NBA. I'm a big Celtics fan. Uh, what we do, given that it's every day, just opens up a different avenue, in my opinion. And, yeah. and it just, it's almost like a soap opera. You're, you're going to pick it up every single day. And, and I think uh, you're really hitting on something there, something that we've talked about on our show here the last few nights how we miss the familiarity. It's not just the game. It's not just the competition. It's not just the results and seeing your team in the standings and uh, that kind of thing. It, it's seeing the the ground screw keepers that we see every single day. It's seeing the security guards. For the fans who have season tickets, it's seeing that usher that they see so many times who governs over their section. Uh, for us, the relationship with the players and uh, the camaraderie amongst the folks in the, in the press box that we see all the time. All of a sudden, that's just gone. So it's not just a game. I think for those of us who work in the game and cover sports, it, those are the those are your people uh, that you see all the time and for a long portion of the year uh, they're closer to us than our family in terms of how much time you spend with them uh, and, and it's that familiarity that I know that I miss out on and I, I, like I said I love those other sports I just don't think they can offer the same intimacy when it comes to the relationship simply because you're, it, it's okay play a ball game on Saturday see you next Saturday uh, for baseball it's okay play a game tonight see you tomorrow and that's the it's that way for six straight months and it's that familiarity that I miss and I, and I hope that by being on the air doing a, a show from 7 to 9 at night here in Atlanta our listeners can at least tap into what you're talking about and that's just hearing the familiarity of the voices <laughs> (laughs) that you hear on the air calling games night in, night out. So while you might not have the game itself, you at least have that union of of voice that you're used to hearing and and the familiarity being there that you can uh, at least feel some sense of of normalcy by flipping on the radio or or flipping on a television or or a a podcast or whatever it may be to hear those folks that you're used to hearing from at this time of year.
0: I'm going to assume you can't give me a hard answer to the question I'm about to ask, but I am curious – what you are hearing or what you are sensing from baseball people or mm-hmm. when, when you talk to them about when, if at all, this season can resume?
1: Well, the most optimistic thing I have heard, and I've tried to speak with lots of folks on this. I've spoken with people in our front office, and I've spoken with with agents and players, and and everybody's hearing different things, but it seems like everything between Memorial Day and the 4th of July is what they're looking at. The interesting thing is, uh, once they give us a date for a for opening day, if they green light an opening day date, it, we're not just going to sit around and wait for that date. Major League Baseball has told these teams, from what I understand, and I don't know how public this is, but I know that they have guaranteed these teams at least three to four weeks of a spring training. So it, in a way, we'd pick up right where we left off two weeks ago. Uh, I, I think that the teams would probably go back down to their spring training facilities. You'd have half the teams in Arizona, the other half in Florida. And, and even though some teams might prefer to just have inter-squad uh, tryouts, or not tryouts, but workouts and such uh, in their home facility, for instance, house here in Atlanta, uh, the, the players want to play games. They can have they can have live BP, they can do PFPs, they can lift, they can work out whatever they want to do, but nothing is going to prepare them for a season like playing major league games. And, and I think for the pitchers, if nothing else, they want to, at least 3 weeks worth of exhibition games where they can ramp up towards being ready for the regular season. So that that to me that's the tricky part, okay? If you say June 1 we're good to go well, that means May 1, got to be good to go for yeah. exhibition games. Yeah, uh, And if you do that, okay, are you opening the gates? Or are we playing in front of empty stadiums? To me, it would make the most sense to go play in front of empty stadiums in Florida for, for a month and then say, okay, June 1, we're ready to go. And if you still have to keep people out of, the, out of the major league stadiums for a few more weeks, fine. Whatever you have to do. But I think the later we get into the season, the more that you can just kind of uh, ease into that and figure it out. You just need to start the season. If you have a, an opportunity to, so it, it, this isn't like any other sport where you say we're playing on this date and everybody shows up and plays. There's going to have to be a preparation period, and I would imagine it would be about a month or so, and that's going to be the tricky part to try to shoehorn into where we are now and opening day and see if it all plays out and harmonizes together.
0: Yeah, it's funny the dates you just gave. I had I talked to someone yesterday who said in baseball who said realistically, man, we need to be at At the absolute latest, this was what disturbed me was I heard the words at the absolute latest. He said, we need to be in Florida and in Arizona at least starting to ramp it up by June 1. And I said, so that you can start July 1? And he's like, yeah, roughly. And I said, so what happens, and I'll pose this question to you, and it's not, again, I know you're not an epidemiologist, you're not a doctor, I get it. I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts. I said, so what happens if you get down to arizona if you get down to florida and you know a couple of the guys in that building test positive what do you have to quarantine everybody how does this how does this work are you going to be able to test everybody because you'll need to test everybody at that point point? Mm-hmm. and he said man no one knows those answers and i think until we get all of those answers we can't get started
1: right well, at that point, you'd have a disaster on your hands. And there has to be a point of no return. I don't know what that is. I don't know that you could play – in other words, if you started in August, are you really going to play 40 games and crown a World Series champion after 40? I don't
0: know. I don't, it, it, I don't it, understand. There'd be a hell of an asterisk. Or, or oh, it. my goodness. It, and, then you'd have, and you'd have, all, ben, then you'd have all the service time questions. That, uh, that are that are hanging out there, and again, no one no one cares about baseball service time right now, and, and nor should they. But there will come a point where the agents and players and such will say, "Well, you know, we played a season that should count right. as a full season of service time." And some owners might push back and say, "But that wasn't a season." It, it's going to be. I get the sense that if they can't get started in Arizona and Florida by about the middle of June, I don't think there's going to be a season.
1: Yeah, and because and at some point, like you mentioned, nobody cares about service time right now, but at some point, the business comes into play. At some point, those questions would have to be answered. If we are playing games, those are questions that have to be answered. makes me wonder, do you start the season in Arizona and Florida? Uh, because I, I know for the Braves, every single team that's in their division is down in Florida. You can start playing your division games down there in Florida, and eventually, once it's safe to go back uh, across the United States, teams could go back. I don't know. I, I think once we start, and, and I feel like baseball, and you mentioned very latest, I think if you circle that, that July the 3rd, that, I'm pretty sure that's a Friday, that 4th of July weekend, they want to be going at the very latest by then. Um, yeah. I think they'd like to have that weekend. But the, the question to me is, once you start this thing up, wherever you start it, whether it's in Florida or whether it's uh, in in your actual city, how are you going to design a schedule that's balanced? Because if you just pick up right where your schedule originally was, well, let's say you're a Cubs fan, for instance. What if the Cubs, from July on, have 16 games versus the Cardinals, but only three games versus the Pirates. Uh, How is that fair? Uh, And I I don't think you could pick up right where your schedule left off. I think we could do something similar to what they did in 81 with a strike shortened season. They played 110 games and and they did like the minor leagues do where they split the season into two halves. You had a first-half champion, a second-half champion. Those teams went to the postseason. I could see them doing that. I know that whatever they do is going to be a radical change because we've already seen a radical change in our game. So the response to that with what we do with the schedule, how many games we're actually able to play, uh, how you balance that out, what the postseason looks like, I think that given everything has been a radical change to this point, that's going to continue to ripple and you'll have radical changes for this one season that this is just what we have to do. It, it, it looks nothing like what we've done in baseball for the last 150 years, but it's what we have to do right now and it'll be a very unique way to play a season, uh, finish a season, crown a champion i mean that's going on the assumption that you would even have a season i don't think there's a guarantee of that right now
0: yeah i don't either i, I do think you're, you're you're onto something though if you let's say you get the clearance you know june one that you can hey we can do it we can start a season in july we can squeeze a hundred games in it can eliminate obviously there'd be no all-star break that you uh right. you know that you keep keep rolling there you, maybe you take away some Maybe you take away some uh, off days. Maybe you squeeze in a double header here and there to to uh, to make uh, make it work. where you squeezed a 100, 110 games in? But I do think you have to completely redo the schedule at that point for right. for all thirty clubs, which is a chore in and of itself. You've got to redo travel and 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 all of those things. That uh, I guess my point, and it's the point you're making too. It's why I tell people that are like, well, I mean, as soon as it's done, man, you can just go. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. You've There's there's a lot of semantics that have to be worked out, and that stuff's going to take, I mean, you tell me, I would think it would take at least, at a bare minimum, a month to get all of those things ironed out, ready to go, where everybody basically signed off on it and said, well, this is the hand we're dealt, let's roll with it.
1: Right. I I agree. Whatever the number is of games we're playing, that's going to affect us more and more. In other words, the fewer games we play, the more radical changes we're going to see and and trying to figure this out. Uh, That's the good news. You can play lots of doubleheaders. I know the Players Union has has said that they're signing off on that. If we have to play a couple of doubleheaders a week, that's fine. Uh, If you end up playing just teams within your division, that's something that could be uh, an option, or maybe just teams within your league. No interleague play. I don't know. But like I said, the, the fewer we, fewer games we play, the more foreign this is going to look compared to what we normally do.
0: When you were down in spring training and you were watching before all this, before our world changed before our eyes, what did uh, what were your thoughts about the Braves? They had a. They I know they had an interesting off season. They were involved in a lot of rumors, but a lot of stuff that I think people thought might get done did not get done. Right
1: there, they, they they did. Answer some questions on the mound. I, I really liked what I saw in their rotation and in their bullpen. And if you want to go back a calendar year, what I thought was the weakest part of the team, their bullpen, has all of a sudden become what I view as the strongest part of the team. I really liked what I saw at the back end of the uh, bullpen. Thought they looked really good there. Uh, the rotation, one through three maybe one through four pretty solid but some question marks towards the back end but you had about six guys who were pitching extremely well competing for two spots in the bullpen I'm sorry in the rotation Uh, and and that was pretty encouraging I think you're pretty excited to have two or three good options competing for a spot or two and and I, I thought there were five or six guys who looked really really good and the good news about that is once you uh, say play ball for the regular season you got your five man rotation or well, that's not going to be your rotation for the whole year you need other guys who are going to AAA whom you can call upon and come up and and uh Uh, continue to do what they did in spring training and they had that option I thought they looked really good there they had some really slow starters offensively but I'm not I don't really can I don't get get too concerned with slow starts for position players at spring training Ronald Acuna was was really guessing a lot at spring training Marcelo Zuna was really cold at spring training Freddie Freeman off to a pretty good start Ozzy Albee's off to a pretty good start but I've, I've seen it so many times where Neil guys would go down to spring training and look horrible for six weeks and then they flip on the switch and opening day comes and they're back to their normal selves. So that, that didn't really concern me all that much. The, the division is was going to be interesting and that, I, I say that was because uh, assuming it's a 162-game season, uh, I know that Vegas likes the Braves better than they like the Nationals and the Mets, but I felt like that was going to be a really good race over the course of 162. But what it does now, let's say we play 100 games or 80 games or whatever that shrunken number may be that makes not just the NL East but every division more wide open for a longer period of time look at last year through the first three four months of the season the NL East you still had four viable teams fighting for for First place with the Braves, the Phillies, the Mets, and the Nationals. Well, by September the 1st, it was just the Braves and the Nats, and the Braves pulled away. But in a shortened season, you're talking about division races that could be three and four deep, teams within three and four games of each other going all the way down to the wire. And that sounds pretty exciting, uh, given that they wouldn't have near as much time to break away and, and get some separation from each other. So I thought the Braves looked like a really solid team, especially on the mound. And I thought they'd put themselves in a position where they had what it took to compete for the regular season, but they're going to need another ace come October. Well, I don't need that right now, but I thought the place that they'd put themselves in was one that could be in competition for first place up to the trade deadline, and then if that ace is out there, make that trade and and bolster your staff and be ready to win in October. Uh, So, in other words, I felt like they had the ability to be very competitive and be a first-place club for 162, but maybe not exactly all the ingredients that they needed to win come October, but there was time to, to obtain that so we'll see if that is is still uh, where they are and if there is a, a new trade deadline this year and how they divvy all that up and figure this whole thing out so once they say play ball i, I like what i've seen to this point, and i think they'll be a pretty competitive team in a really deep division
0: uh, one thing you'd get in, in a half season where a half season was a full season if it came to that is all the games would be managed differently they would all be bigger you you a losing streak would be more devastating now than it is in 162 where you just kind of plan for one right uh, you know it all of those things the other thing that would happen in a short season is i think people by the if let's say we started july the 3rd baseball started july the 3rd that in that scenario, we might even get NBA playoffs in July. People would be so excited to have something on their screens that I, I, I think the ratings would be off the charts. People would just be pumped to watch anything. Be like, Rays, Red Sox, yep, in. Yeah,
1: look if if you put on the the Pirates and the Diamondbacks right now, it, it'd have like a Super Bowl rating. <laughs> yeah. It'd be through the roof, and you wouldn't know any of those players. You'd be like, "Who is this guy?" These teams are terrible, <laughs> especially the Pirates. Yeah, but it would have a it'd have a humongous uh, rating. So. I'm excited. I mean, once we say play ball, it's going to be—it's going to feel like a roller coaster ride as opposed to a a marathon, like you'd always say. It's going to be quick. I I think about—I mean, if you want a really good example, one thing that's really going to come into play is getting off to a really good start in in a shortened season. Last year through 50 games, the Nationals were 19 and 31. Well, they had plenty of time to correct the ship. They had, had time to get into the postseason. They won the World Series. If you get out to a 19-31 and 31 start in a shortened season, you're not going to have time to recover. You're not going to have time to, to right the ship. And no, you'll be you'll toast. You'll be out of, of, of competition altogether. So I think getting off to a good start is going to be under the microscope more so this year than any other year we've ever seen, given the, the shortness of the season.
0: Were you surprised when the rumors popped up about Atlanta being a, a player for Chris Bryant? Were you surprised that that never went anywhere? I, I,
1: was, uh, I wasn't I was surprised that the Braves were a player. I, I was a little bit surprised that there was not more traction. And, and if I'm a team that's looking to make a trade, I've got a big-time player, I've got a, a big name – and I'm looking to make a trade. Well, obviously, I'm looking for prospects. I'm looking to reload. I'm looking to take that chip and turn it into three or four more chips. And in order to do that, you're, you're looking first and foremost at the teams at the very top of Major League Baseball with solid farm systems. And the Braves have been top five in Major League Baseball for the last three years. I'd be looking to, to talk with the Braves the Padres, uh, some of these other teams that are, that are loaded towards the top. And I'd say, okay, who has a need at third base? The Braves were the perfect fit for that deal to take place because the Braves had exactly what the Cubs were looking for in return, and the Braves had a hole at third base. It made lots of sense from both sides. The, the only thing that did not make sense, uh, and this is from a Braves perspective, was um, giving up too much, and and that's been what they've been so concerned with. They know that they have to hit on their prospects. They have to hit on their trades. They don't mind spending money. They just don't want to get locked up in a long-term contract. Well, Chris Bryant wasn't that. Even if you, even if that grievance goes the other way, you're talking about uh, a short-term situation with your third baseman. But uh, I just know that they've been very. They, they don't. If you want to give up prospects fine. Uh, If you want me to pay money, fine. But don't ask me to do both in in one scenario. And I think that probably came more into play with the the Arenado rumors than it did with Chris Bryant. But there was certainly a need from both sides, and and I thought it would get a little bit more traction than it did. It was just one of those rumors that everybody talked about through the entire off season, But any time I spoke with Alex Anthopoulos, it was, yeah, we're, we're touching base and we're keeping contact and we're checking in. But there was never anything more than that. And I was a little bit surprised that it didn't heat up a little bit more than it did.
0: How big of a... If anybody has benefited from this, and I say this sort of tongue-in-cheek, it's the Houston Astros, that they're no longer the big story. How big of a story was that in Florida when you were around? And I know you probably saw the Astros some. I know that uh, I think it was the Braves had some fun at the Astros expense with the uh, the organist in a pregame that right. kind of thing how big of a, of a story was that down in the grapefruit league
1: it was enormous it where, wherever they played. They were. I mean, it's amazing that we're talking about spring training games with 5,000 people there. This isn't a regular season game with 50,000 people there. The venom and the vitriol towards that organization by everybody else in Major League Baseball is something that I've never seen. It, it was a uniformed hatred for one team. And you're used to seeing that with maybe teams in a division uh, going against the one team that's at the top or something like that. But this was this was something way beyond that. This, this had everything to do with morality. This had everything to do with uh them being completely immoral and the other 29 teams uh just really furious about that wherever they went there were boos and and we're talking about spring training games neil where by the fourth fifth sixth inning you're seeing double a and a ball players in there and even they were being hit by pitches uh fair or unfair they i think they had been hit by something like a dozen pitches within their first 10 games or something like that and and a lot of times it was guys who aren't even going to be big leaguers at any point this season so i you're right, this all of a sudden kind of takes the the attention off of them. I'd imagine once, whenever we play, it's going to come back pretty quickly. But it was at a fever pitch immediately. As soon as they played their first game, I mean, they were taking the field to booze. You mentioned the incident at our ballpark. They came and, and they played I Saw the Sign from uh, Ace of Base, I think it is. Uh, I mean, it's, and teams are going to be doing... That's the thing, Neil. This, this, wasn't, um, this wasn't some spontaneous decision. People have been thinking, how are we going to get over on the Astros with what we do? Broadcasters have thought that way. Organists have felt that way. Folks who play the music in the stadiums have felt that way. Individual fans have played that way. I thought it was ironically hilarious when the Yankees and the Astros, I think it was the Yankees and the Astros, somebody was playing the Astros at their facility, and there are fans behind their dugout holding up signs that said, this is the only sign that the Astros didn't steal. Well, then they had (laughs) personnel from the stadium come down and remove those signs. So they were literally stealing (laughs) more (laughs) signs. It's it's hysterical. So um, (laughs) that's what we saw in the very short time that we're in the Grapefruit League. So I can't imagine what that's going to be like once those teams uh, break camp, go to uh, their big league cities, and start their regular season. And and I really have a hard time, Neil, believing that they can just block that out over the course of 162. It's a very talented team. It's a team that has everything you need to to win a pennant and win a World Series. But I really feel like the the long-term effects of dealing with that every single day, is going to drag a team down and, and i have a hard time believing that they'll be able to reach their potential over the course of a full season given that that's what they're facing every single day
0: what should rob manfred had have done what could he what could he have done that would have said all right people are satisfied now because you know this and i know this because you know a ton of baseball people and i know I know a few there's no even teams that are m- massive rivals and you cover one with the with the washington nationals that they are Beloved might be the wrong word. There are a lot of people around baseball that are like, man, I'm really glad the Nationals won the title and not Houston. Even right. teams like Philly and Atlanta and stuff who really did not like seeing Washington win a title were so glad that Washington and not Houston won the title. But there's still this, you know, the Dodgers are over there going, hey man, we might have gotten we might have gotten robbed of, of, of two titles. Right. Uh, you know, they're like, you know, it's a legitimate argument on their hand. There's a lot of people around baseball that are are remain very furious about the situation in Houston. Is there anything Manfred could have done that would have alleviated some of that angst?
1: I think so. I think Where he went wrong was his aggressiveness towards getting this behind us so quickly. I I didn't understand the rush. He wanted to penalize the people who were in charge, but he wanted to draw a very uh, strong line and separate those people from the players and move on, thinking that once we get this behind, the quicker we can get this behind us, the better the game will be. And I understand, look, his job more than anything is to serve uh, the game of baseball and, and to protect its best and have its best interest in mind but getting something behind you doesn't always mean that's the best thing for the game or whatever situation you're talking about the the thing that i did not like was how all of a sudden people started comparing this to other uh, criminalities of the past. Other, ty- Pete Rose, for instance. I, I kept saying, "Well, if, if they can get away with this, it's time to let Pete Rose." To me, that's that's not even apples to oranges. That's that's apples to bicycles. So I don't even want to entertain the comparison there. But I do understand the, the, the um, I, I do understand the spirit behind what people are trying to say there. These what these guys did was wrong. They stole the World Series. They they kept uh, uh, other teams from achieving something that maybe they they had earned. And I find that to be extremely disturbing, and I think that the the, the uh, commissioner should have let this thing continue to play out, do a full-on investigation, and uh, find a way to get in front of this thing and really penalize these guys. I don't know that a lifetime ban was uh, is something that he should have pursued, even though uh, what they did deserves the, the highest punishment there is. But the way that I see this is, this is a brand new era of Major League Baseball. This isn't a rule that had been posted on clubhouse doors for the last 60 years that all of a sudden these guys broke. This is brand new. And with technology getting better and better and better, well, we're going to see an evolution in that. We're going to see an evolution in the game. We're going to see these new toys handed to these players, and they're going to, to, to use these to their advantage. This commissioner wanted technology. He wanted these things uh, to, to be instituted into the game more so than they ever had been. And, and I understand that there's some good in that. I mean, it, it's interesting some of these numbers and, and New Age analytics that, that help tell the, tell the tale. But the, I, I think the eye test is still very important. But he wanted to usher in this brand new uh, portion of the game and, and wanted this to t- kind of take a, a leap into the 21st century. Well, if you're going to do that, I think you have to have the foresight to get ahead of how they might abuse these new age technologies, uh, how they might abuse all these camera angles, how they might abuse uh, the ability to go and, and look at it at bat right after you had it and went see what a guy was throwing. Uh, I'm against guys being able to go and look at video replay during a game. I I don't think we should have the ability to do that. You want to do it after a game? Fine. But I've spoken with with managers and coaches and a guy will watch a strike three, he'll bark at the umpire, and instead of going to the dugout and getting ready to take the field, he's immediately going down to the video room and he's watching that pitch and he's he's going through it over and over again. I don't like the ability to do that. So it's a long-winded answer to your question, but I really feel like he should have let this thing play out more. Investigate it to it to its full, furthest extent. Uh, make a decision at that point and and really set a standard uh, you could you could say okay this is a brand new technology so therefore we're talking about brand new ways to break rules so here is the punishment and I'm going to put this punishment right there shoulder to shoulder with gambling in baseball right there shoulder to shoulder with PEDs in baseball right there shoulder to shoulder with with doctoring equipment or, or balls or bats or whatever and because we all know what the what the biggest crimes in the game are I think you have to take this and get ahead of it before before it evolves further and put it right there on the same pedestal with the same kind of punishment uh, as, as, as those can carry, where maybe your first offense is you're out for a season and your second offense, you're banned from baseball. Instead, he just he he tried to quickly just broom this underneath the rug and hope that it would go away, and it's not going away. And I I thought that it was a good approach to go after the general managers and managers the way that he did, but I thought that he was it was very weak and toothless the way that it just ended right there, and he'd never uh, charged one player or never even really looked into another player beyond that.
0: Last couple things. I really appreciate your time. You're phenomenal at what you do. before this happened, there were ESPN and, and maybe you guys, other people were showing, you know, spring training games and they were micing up players. There were a couple of games that stick out. Uh, the the first one the, the Cubs with Bryant and Rizzo were both uh mic'd up. It made it made a spring training game really entertaining. Freddie Freeman got mic'd up on a uh, and, and everybody got to watch him run the bases where he's like, Hey, watch this and, and he scored on that. I think Azuna pop fly that, that got lost right. in the in the wind. It made it made baseball fun. It really did. Getting to listen to Freddie Freeman in the course of a game, getting to listen to Anthony Rizzo in the course of a game. I think they miked up the Yankees at one point. Is that realistic in the regular season? Is that something that uh, that that might be able to make baseball more fun, more popular with young people? Maybe.
1: I think that young people would would certainly gravitate towards that. I, I know that a lot of us would be curious to hear what a player has to say. We like hearing having that access. We like hearing what a manager is saying. I like hearing what they're saying when uh, d- two guys are eyeing each other down and all of a sudden bench is clear and, and we have uh, chaos. Uh, you, you would love to know what those conversations are like. I just know that there is a significant difference in doing that for a spring training game and doing that for a regular season game. Uh, To me, there are players in clubhouses across Major League Baseball who would not only say, that's no good for me, they'd say, that's no good for my team. I I have a hard time believing that Uh, A guy like Nick Marcakis would allow that to happen for any player on his team. I don't know. Um, I think that it would benefit us in a major way. I think it would benefit the sport. I think the popularity of the sport would, would certainly benefit from that. Would it sustain? I don't know because we're so bad about gravitating towards a brand new shiny thing, but after a while... Uh, it's, it kind of loses its luster. Maybe you could make that argument for, for interleague play because we all know why they did that, and it's, it's entertaining, and it's matchups we've never seen, and it's ratings, but has it run its course? Is it still the same bump from the fan bases now as it was in 1997? I, to me, it seems like it's kind of taken a step back or two. I don't know. But I do know that finding new ways to introduce our game, finding new ways and creative ways to show our game to America and to the world is something that baseball has to be pursuing uh, all the time. I think that they have to continue to create new ways to show our game and, and display our game. Uh, I think it's also important to display the young talent in our game because it, it's a young man's game now more than it ever has been for, for a multitude of reasons. And now you've got 21, 22, 23-year-old guys who are, looking, who are looked at as the face of baseball uh, for, for some teams in, in various cities. I think putting those guys on a bigger pedestal is important nothing that major league baseball can do about this one but i i find it uh, just a travesty that that mike trout has been the best player in the game for almost a decade and he's made it to the postseason just one time felix hernandez is one of the best pitchers in the game for a long period of time never has pitched in a postseason game and, and that the, the popularity of having your best players on the biggest stage could go a long way so those are all things that could help and i know kind of veered off the path there from from your question but I think that that, along with so many other things baseball has to be considering for putting our game out there and increasing the popularity of our game. I think that business is booming in baseball or else you wouldn't see uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the stadiums going up the way that they are and, and the, uh, the, the uh, uh, internet uh, people are, are getting the at-bat app and tuning in online and such. But you still want people coming through the turnstiles. You still want people that are, that are into your game the way that they were 30 and 40 years ago. And in order to do that, you have to reach younger generation after younger generation and finding ways to tap into that is very important. So I don't know if they could get to a point where they could do at uh, during the regular season what they did at spring training. But I think there has to be a way to to somehow give more content and and create a more intimate uh, bond between the viewer and the player. And if you could do that uh, and and the players sign off on it, I, I say you have to green light that because it's going to make our game even
0: more popular. Last thing. Gut feeling. Won't hold you to it, obviously. We've talked about it a little bit. Just your gut feeling from talking to people, from doing what you do. Do we get a season? And if so, when does it start?
1: I do think we get a season. Uh, I'm very hopeful for that. I, I saw everything change so quickly, Neil, from March the 10th to March the 13th. I mean, that three-day span, everything was normal, not in baseball, I mean, not just in baseball, but really across America. And then three days later, we're not playing games. So I think as, as quickly as it seized our attention and, and crippled our society, I think at just as quickly it could vanish and we could move on. Because I think once we lick this thing, it'll be pretty overwhelming. I don't think this is something that all of a sudden takes over and then we slowly ease out of. I think once they figure this thing out, it, it could quickly go Away and we can quickly go back to our way of life. That's my hope. And, and like, like we've established earlier, I'm no doctor. I have no idea what it takes to, to take on something like this and succeed. But I just feel like that's what we're going to see. And once that happens, I think we're right back into our, our normal uh, day-to-day routine. I think to to speculate as to when the season would begin... I have a hard time b- believing it would be any time before June the 1st. I have a hard time believing it would be any time after July the 4th. So somewhere in that in that window of, of early June to early July, I think we'll have baseball. That's my optimistic hope. And uh, if I'm wrong, then uh, we have some major problems in the country for certain.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I certainly hope you're right. I will be cheering for you to be right. And if you are right, I'll proclaim it. Uh, ben ingram day we'll we'll we'll, be, we'll all celebrate man hey thanks so much for the time stay safe out there and for uh, the people that can get your show when when it's every night from seven to nine eastern seven to nine
1: eastern so uh six to eight central and we're on uh, 680 of the fan here in atlanta we have an app that's free and of course our website six eight the fan dot com and you can hear us and we'll be bringing you that show until we have baseball
0: ben thanks again so much take take care talk to you soon
1: you got it neil thanks so much for having me
0: bye Again, our thanks to Ben Ingram today for his time on the Beer Garden. Got another Beer Garden planned for you here in the next few days. I think there will be a lot of fun um, working on some other stuff as well as we go through this uh, weird springtime and maybe into the summer where we're so used to talking about sports and we don't have sports to talk about. But we will uh, figure it out. We'll get to it, have some fun things planned for you. I think you'll enjoy it. Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. And, uh Hope for uh, hope for better days. Hope for a return of sports, and when they get here, we're going to enjoy them more than ever before. Again, thanks to Ben. Thanks to the people at uh, Oxford Crystal. Don't forget DoorDash, Uber Eats. You can uh, still get that Crystal delivered to you that you always love, and you can still, of course, pick it up in the drive-thru. Until next time, take care.